0: Today's episode is brought to you by MindEdge. MindEdge Learning's digital marketing courses cover strategic and technical topics of digital marketing with a series of nine online courses, including content marketing, marketing automation, and web analytics. Courses contain expert interview videos, case studies, and best practices. Enroll today to prepare for your OMCA certification exam at MindEdge.com.
1: Never write an ad or promotion that your landing page can't cache. You can see what the top 10 pages are on your website, but should they have been the top 10 pages on your website? Google's
0: solution to this problem of negative SEO and bad links
1: coming into a site was the disavow tool. Welcome to the OMCP Online Marketing Best Practices Podcast where top authors and industry leaders share authoritative best practices in online marketing. All right, welcome
0: back to the OMCP studios and with us today is Matt Bailey, author, educator and CEO of Cite Logic. Matt is at the forefront of digital marketing best practices training for some of the largest brands in the world. I'm your host, Michael Stebbins, and today we'll be discussing a topic that Matt raised, what marketers need to know in the 21st century. Matt, as I pointed out, we're kind of co-guests today. This will also go on <laughs> its coffee cup, uh, but it yes. will go on to OMCP, so welcome. Hey, thank you. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this. It'll be a dual-purpose podcast. Yeah, a little bit different format. In the past, you've helped us out with best practices, but today it's a little bit more of a discussion. Great, let's get on it. Yeah, absolutely. So, what do marketers need to know in the 21st century? So, just a few days ago, you raised this topic, and we both went out and did a little bit of diligence. In my case, uh, been working with a few Fortune 100 companies in terms of their digital marketing, and raised the question internally through OMCP did a little bit of conversation with some of the folks who are putting their teams through and got some interesting answers. But first, wow, t- you, you did your homework. Why, wow, You know, all right. uh, <laughs> it's an honor to be on Endless Coffee Cup. <laughs> so tell me, tell me what some of the constraints are. What do you what do you want to fit this in? What's what people need to know, what they need to do, how they need to think?
1: OK, well, so let's start here. If I am in charge of a team, an agency, a department, how do I prepare my employees, or how do I look for prepared employees? I think that is the context that I am looking for.
0: And again, the, the consistent cry I hear from hiring managers is, I can't find qualified people. It's a, That's a great intro to start talking to folks. So the first thing I want to pull out centers around the value of a liberal arts degree or a theatrical degree being a criteria that more than two hiring managers are looking for. Really? Yeah. Recalling a conversation with one of the lead marketers at Kaiser Permanente, which is a nice healthcare organization. And I was actually talking about Tyler, my son, right? Who went through uh, a managerial and organizational communications degree that if I remember correctly, was based in the drama department of his university. And the leader of the marketing team Slammed her hand on the desk so hard, actually it was conference table that everybody in the room jumped and she said, yes, yes, finally, a school who is teaching somebody how to present, how to influence. Wow! And she said, one of the things I look for when I interview somebody is I ask them to go to the whiteboard and present something, draw a circle, draw a graph, represent
1: and Mm -hmm. show us
0: that you know how to persuade and communicate. And so while you know that's brilliant, you and I were I know at least I was expecting to get into the nitty-gritty, you know, like tag management and event-based tracking and but just as an overview, and because it's so recent now, because that was years ago, Mm -hmm. in today's conversation, I recalled that story to the, the hiring manager I was talking to, and she had the same strong reaction. She says, I want people who I can put in front of the CIO. I want people that I can have yep. influence other managers. And so this goes into the soft skills that you and I covered in the past. While somebody might have the tech capability and the logical or analytic processing capability, she is also looking for people who can translate that into internal influence and the ability to persuade uh, in within the organization. And now I should yes. make sure that I, State that these conversations were with people at very large organizations, thousands of employees, um, and may not relate quite as much to somebody who's doing this for a smaller team, but still ready to persuade.
1: Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say it's going to work for a smaller team, too, because when I had my agency, I mean, I remember being frustrated at the hiring process and I flat out said, just give me someone who can communicate well through writing through speaking, I'll teach them everything they need to know. But what I need is someone who is comfortable in front of people can put together a couple of words and make a competent sentence and not embarrass me when they're in front of someone. That's all I wanted. Uh, and so, yeah, I would say looking back now, the vast majority of people we hired came from liberal arts education. I myself came out of a liberal arts education and I can pull from a number of areas, and I do throughout, I would say throughout my career and even you know somewhat recently, I kind of pull from those areas to help inform things that I'm working on, things that I'm developing, whereas the few people I hired with technical skills were limited in their mobility, were limited in what we were able to do with them because they just, that's where they were comfortable and they wanted to
0: stay there. We were setting up soundcheck. You, you use the phrase critical thinking. Does this
1: align? Yes. Yeah. Critical thinking because it's that ability to see beyond what I'm doing right now. It's the ability to look at the, the business processes. Uh, I call it business acumen. And and that goes even into when I'm, you know, when I'm training people on analytics, that analytics is not about numbers. Analytics is being able to tie an event to profitability. You know, to, am I losing money, making money? What's happening? And the best analytics are the ones that bring in that business acuity and can know from looking at the data, this could improve your business. This is damaging your business. And so they're able to bring that in. But it also takes that presentation skill to enable someone to see how it's happening and then get the buy-off on, here's the change we need to make. So that that critical thinking skill of bringing in business acuity, of really just taking that step back and, and asking, I'll say the best question my best analyst ever asked, how do I know what I did just worked? <laughs> it's, that's all I want. If, if someone st- takes a step back from their, their everyday job, just says, what's it doing? What, what's the payoff? What it, what good is this doing? That tells me they're ready to go to the next step. They're starting to think critically about what they're doing rather than seeing it as a nine to five job.
0: And tying it in even to micro steps um, and and decisions that lead up to the profitability is a key skill that folks who are entering some of the larger enterprise businesses need to learn very quickly. Um, they would have no exposure to profitability numbers, but Mm -hmm. certainly might have exposure to a decision that needs to be made. So if I can, I'll give an example of something I'd recently did for a client, um, that related to the writing team and the writing team at this very well-equipped enterprise organization needed to do a little bit of uh, branding and positioning. And so they, they, the request was formed as they thought they were being dutiful to the SEO criteria. They came and they said, we are going to rebrand with this new phrase. What keywords should we use? (laughs) And now you chuckle. Okay. And a (laughs) good consultant learns to bite their lip.
1: (laughs) Um, <laughs> See, I don't have to do that right now, you but go, I don't yeah, know where it's going. You got, I know exactly <laughs> you where we're
0: going. I can keep seeing this. Yeah, and so you've got to start by first congratulating them and saying, first off, well done coming to the SEO team now instead yes. of first published. So you you know you reward this kind of behavior. And then comes a decision, what measurement would be most applicable to enable this team? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so right now, currently we know that the algorithms are looking for what we would call dwell time for search, right? In other words, if Mm some sticks around, that's a a signal that the content is relevant. And probably the AI engines are a lot uh, more advanced to where keywords are not, you know, on page signals are probably not as important as links and authority links and dwell time. So how do we measure something that helps the writing team understand that? So, what we did is just well, actually, what I did just in a geeky moment inside of Google Analytics is I went and set up dwell time, and then I pulled in some backlinks from Semrush, and it came up mm-hmm. with a little algorithm that uh, you know Dr. Turner from ClickTrack's fame would probably choke at, but <laughs> <laughs> but it was a rough it was a rough calculation of a combination of the value of links, um, and the combination of dwell time on the page. Uh, mm-hmm. and then we added in scroll depth, did somebody scroll yeah, at well, 80% good. or 80% and we put those together and we assigned scores to the, uh, engagement, uh, for each author. And so we used, um, I used uh, screaming frog to extract the, uh, schema data. <clears throat> so I knew who the author was and then put this all on a spreadsheet and pulled it together. And it, the result was just a very simple, um, engagement score that goes out every week to the writers to say, hey, this is the top scoring author for the week in terms of engagement. Yeah. And so it's enabling a decision, right? Will I write Mm -hmm. my content to what my readers really want, or am I going to write it with a bunch of gateway keywords that try to fool the engines? And so in this case, we're trying to steer the behavior a little bit. And so I would say that that type of process that I just described would be something I would expect to be intuitive to somebody who wants to be successful marketing in the 21st century.
1: Right. Absolutely. It's seeing beyond that initial scope. It's, it's looking to see again. Yeah. How do I measure this? What am I really trying to do? You know, when you, you know, I, 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 we make jokes about these companies that say, well, we need to make three Facebook posts a week and, and that, that is a prime example of not sitting down and saying, well, what are we trying to accomplish? You know, what do we want people to do? And are we meeting some sort of need out there? So it's a great skill of just simply looking beyond the the tactic and coming up with methods to look at what are we truly trying to accomplish here? How do we accomplish it? How do we measure those means of accomplishing um, I love working with writers, especially in that type of environment. Uh, and we did something very similar. We, we created a matrix of, uh, you know, writers that uh, I think we looked at it like a weekly and a quarterly that those that brought in the most new visitors uh, and those whose articles over time, uh, like we had a running board of whose articles had, had generated the most visits. Um, so even looking at more kind of a macro scale of you know with engagement but also driving numbers uh because this was a uh a publisher that was ad supported. So page views equal you know equal money. And so it was one of those things where, you know, very similarly, it's let's come up with a way to motivate the writers, you know, almost gamify what they're doing uh in order to drive that. Um but yeah I think that's a great example of looking beyond the tactic and Looking at the business of what we're trying to accomplish.
0: Yep. You know. Th- then we have this issue where if if everything's important, then nothing's important, right? Oh um, yeah. And it's, it's a little bit just looking at the the balance of this. As hiring managers are looking for all these tech skills and all these presentation skills, and you almost need a superhuman to do this, right?
1: My favorite story, Mike, is is when I I went to a company. And I trained them on analytics and they invited me back a couple months later. And they said, well, we're going to hire two people for analytics and we want you to help us write the job description. So it was kind of cool, you know, got to hang out with everyone again. And, And what they started coming up with about halfway through, I had to stop them and I told them, look, I'm not qualified for this job because I don't have the requirements that you're developing to create this, I said, and and most of the very good analysts I know of that I know could come in here and within a day make an impact, they're not qualified based on what you're proposing. Uh, you know, they're looking at you know a degree in computer science, uh, you know, a minor in mathematics, and they're putting together all these technical skills. And you know, I'm trying to get them to understand that that's not you know, you just got motivated from an analytics course where I taught you, you know, it's not about the numbers. It's about the analyst. It's the analyst's ability to put together these things. Uh, but they just got right back into that thinking of what are the qualifications? What kind of education do they need? How many years of, you know, all those things are important, but do they point you in that right direction?
0: Correct. And can they? curate the skills or know how to drive a specialist. I think, uh-huh. I think that's a reasonable, um, a reasonable goal that if I bring on somebody who can be influential and has these soft skills that I'm looking for, has the ability to persuade, can uh, practice critical thinking, uh, can teach themselves at least the concepts of digital marketing skills, can they at least tap specialists when they need to? Uh, for example, if I needed to extract certain measurements through Adobe Analytics or some analytics tool, I may not know how to set up the tag management or the event push you know on each page. Right. Um, right. But I should know, as a qualified candidate, what the analytics tools are capable of, how mm-hmm. to direct somebody who does know how to set up the tag management or the JavaScript to do it properly. Mm-hmm. And so that that eases some of the pain, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, know. well, it's the ability to scope it. It's, you know, I, I don't know how to do tag manager, but I know who to talk to and I know how to scope what I want done. And that now that's that brings up another issue, because in working with another very large worldwide company, one of their biggest issues is creating briefs. Is developing scope Uh, they get tasked with developing a campaign and they put together a very basic brief that goes to the agency uh, or to a specialist and it is so you know I've seen a few of these and they even said we're terrible at it and you know it's a garbage in garbage out proposal that this brief is so wide open so general non-specific, does not identify specifically what we're trying even to accomplish. And so when the agency replies, they just reply with some boilerplate stuff and put a number in. And it's like, no one knows what each other wants to do, but <laughs> we're going through the motions. And so, you know, I'll add that into the skills is being able to scope, but, and, and by scoping, you understand the technology, not so much in a practitioner sense, but in a manager sense, I understand it enough that I can scope it out and competently explain, here's what I want done. Here's my objective. And, you know, and then be able to assess the work after that it's doing what we wanted it to do.
0: And and the, the, the gap that I'm seeing right now, the frustration that I'm seeing along a lot of the larger clients is, You have these specialists who present data. Yes. And they want to validate their existence. Typically, this is an agency relationship. They want to validate their existence by presenting lots of data. And they're expecting that their audience is receptive. And, Mm -hmm. you know, well, here's data, and everything's what's well, data <laughs> exactly right everything's, everything's going it's up the right. yeah. everyone loves data mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they glazed over it was the most interesting thing you know because I, I sit in on these right that's typically one of my engagements is i'll sit in oh. and i'll listen to the agency <laughs> present to the uh, stakeholders right and the stakeholders might be uh-huh. a product marketing group or there might be demand gen who knows right and i you know, I don't even see them with the kids. I like having a camera on typically in, in remote meetings, but a lot of these folks just don't do that. And you almost right. can hear them glazing over. <laughs> At some point, they just stop asking questions and you kind of hear this slight typing in the background. They're trying to keep it quiet, and you're checking email. It's just <laughs> enduring. And I, Matt, I know you do the same thing, right? I end up the meeting. I'm like, stop. I just want to right. scale of one to 10. You know, with, with 10 being, oh my gosh, this is so actionable, I can't wait to get off the call and start acting on this, and one being, I have no idea what you said, it looks like everything's up and to the right, and I'm moving on. Mm-hmm. What level are we at? And it's you know, one, two, 1.10, one,
1: right? Oh. So, you know, at that point, you know, you're <laughs> diplomatic,
0: and you tell the agency, look, there's no question you guys know what you're doing. It's no question of your knowledge. You are not delivering what these people need. You know, sure, there's 5,000 pages getting dropped because of mobile first indexing, right? (laughs) Presenting a list of those to the product marketers Uh, doesn't help them a whit, right? No. But if you rank them by backlinks and give them the top 10 to the web team instead of to the product marketing team and say, look, all these pages need to come back, but we recommend starting with these top 10. I said, now you've got meaningful data you know that, that they can act on right. And this i got to admit matt i mean you know that both of us have an entrepreneurial background when we would see something like that we would simply act on it right like, right oh, you know yeah. and it would get done in a day and that would be it but there's a new mm-hmm. regime now that's it's very valid and it's not something i mean it's you know after a beer or two we might mock it but i think really it's wrong to do so because a lot of the constraints at these larger organizations are very real and very necessary, um, GDPR, when do we serve the cookie? Right. You know, and, and can we, can we, um, you know, can we start implementing analytics before we get permission for the cookie? And, you know, in, in these kind of constraints, you know, you smack your forehead and it's like the web team's going to take, you know, four weeks to get to these. And yeah. And yet it's real. And these are, and you don't assign the, um, obtuse, feeling to the people, you assign it to the fact that it's a large ship that takes a long time to turn. And these are very smart people who are trying to do the right thing, but they have to check a bunch of boxes and rightfully so. (laughs) And so I think I want to put that on the list right now is that the, the mindfulness of the constraints of the organization is going to be a top skill in the 21st century for for a marketer. Um, yeah, to adapt yeah. the digital marketing initiatives and measurements to enable that team to make steps forward.
1: That's yeah, excellent observation. Excellent. Yeah, and
0: it's I think you know and smaller businesses, no, you know, as I was Jessica Bowman, our good friend Jessica, who's an an in house yeah. SEO, invited me to chat with um, some of the other in house SEOs who were attending the Mex mm-hmm. West in San Jose, and we had a great session. And without revealing who some of the clients were, I revealed some of the constraints that we were dealing with. And I'm looking at this crowd and all of them are looking at me like I just dismembered a kitten, you know, on the screen. (laughs) Right. You know, it's like right in front of us. Like, yeah, this calf's going to be torn apart. It was just mouths dropped, eyes open, dead silence. And I'm like, and they said, we thought we had it bad. We yep. had no yep. idea that somebody was under those kind of constraints, and they said, "I'm. I feel much better now." <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but it isn't because the uh, the organization is dim-witted or slow. It's it's no. like you know NASA's technology has to take years for adoption and approval. So that's. I think that's a very important thing.
1: It is, and and it's one thing you said there that it was very yeah. It, it's easy to mock. And even within the organization, it's easy to mock. And so, you know, I love that understanding the constraints of the organization. That is big because there are things that just completely out of your control. And again, I'll come back a little bit to some of the persuasion. Uh, But one thing I have seen, and there is a, a large business right now that is breaking down a number of tasks, a number of channels. Th- they're creating small teams. And on this team, you've got a designer, an analyst. Uh, you know, So for example, they're going after paid search. And they've got someone who's managing the campaign, someone who is looking at the numbers, looking at the results. They've got a designer who can create pages on the fly. And this small team is, they have the go-ahead to make decisions as necessary, that you are responsible for generating leads. And here you go. And now, you know, you take away the, you know, the whole process, the approval process, the, you know, you know, and they're working together throughout the day of let's try this creative, let's try this call to action and they can try different things. They're all working together and they were telling me that the speed of implementation and how quickly we're overcoming these typically past obstacles, uh, that, They're getting excited about that. And so now they're developing these little team concepts in larger scale. So going to the website, uh, you know, now we've got a little team that's focused on user experience. And they're measuring all the task completion across the entire organization's website. And they have permission. If something is wrong, you know, we want you to fix it. You know, or tell us what's wrong, why it's wrong, things like that. So I think organizations have realized that these are things also, you know, your smarter, larger companies have realized that there are obstacles, but we need to sit down and figure out why those obstacles are there. And if we can't come up with a good reason, then we need to address it.
0: Now, these teams are, you know, special temporary
1: teams, or is it their sole responsibility? How are they structured? Uh, They're structured around campaigns. Uh, that are happening but at the same time uh it, it's becoming much more dynamic and fluid where you know it started out just with paid search uh but then it broadened out that well it's paid search and now it's getting into retargeting well now it's getting into programmatic now it's getting into you, you know so it, it just starts bleeding into other areas as they see the results coming they're giving them more and more leeway so it started small, but by demonstrating competency and by demonstrating results, they're getting more freedom. And so now you have teams kind of competing against each other, uh, you know, as far as results or, you know, in different campaigns or in different life cycle areas for customers. Uh, So it's a fascinating thing to see.
0: You know, I, that, that kind of an approach, and I know there's, Some terminology, you know, some people call it agile or a different way of forming these teams I've seen be extremely effective. Um, I don't know if there's, I I would hope there would be some type of resource that's out that we could direct people to that would describe how to set up and manage a team like that, whether it's a temporary functional team or whether it's a second responsibility that crosses, you know, division boundaries, right? Um, Right. Right. You know, in in one group that I was working with last year, um, they had separated Google Ads and basically what they called search, but it was you know basically pay per click um, from the um, you know what they called uh, programmatic and media advertising. You know, mm-hmm. it's just it's basically LinkedIn and Facebook targeting. You know? And and it was really odd because they were requiring their stakeholders to create a landing page, you know, for the media and the programmatic. And then the search team was going to the, um, to the stakeholders and asking for landing page for paid search with all the, you know, Marketo tracking tags and things like that to keep it separate. And the channel into Salesforce, et cetera, all had to be, and, and then they would make their banner requests. And a good display campaign on Google Ads is going to require, I believe, it's no less than fourteen different sizes uh, mm-hmm. of banners, you know. And then right. the, the the requirements are different, right? We can't have a download now button because you know, mm-hmm. form, you know, so that's going to get rejected. And and then you need blank ones for the responsive ads. And and you know, the other team was going on the criteria for Facebook or for LinkedIn or for other programmatic banner sizes and what happened is the stakeholders would get overwhelmed and with all these media requests and the landing page requests and oops the tracking tag to go in that they would back away from one and not finish it and so you would end up with a campaign going out right. that only had ads from google ads or only had ads right. for linkedin or something like that and they would miss half the boat and we yep. all know how well half a boat does. Right. So, uh, <laughs> so, you know, we're watching this happen yeah. and it's like, as an organizational structure, your team concept that you just came up with would cross those functional boundaries and come up with, you know, like a Marty Weintraub's, let's chase the cheap cookie. Right. right. <laughs> and, and leverage that <laughs> through psychographic targeting. We love you, Marty. Um, and, and, and end up with a targeting system that gets a cheap cookie and then creates custom audiences to chase them based on their criteria. Mm-hmm. That's a coordinated effort that crosses those silos and gets it done. And, yeah, you know. And, and and so here we now we need skills, and this leads to another skill that I'm seeing more in the short term is the data management platform skill in the marketing stack. Do we know how we're going to handle the incoming data and be responsible with it? And I think this is an important skill, at least for the next eight to mm-hmm. 10 years is yes. how am I being responsible with the data that we're gathering? And am I managing it properly and efficiently, um, you know, by regulations and
1: rules, I right. going to adhere to. I mean, this is definitely management level, you know, management level stuff, as far as understanding what, what are we generating? How are we managing it? Uh, you know, getting into that, Um, I think from a practitioner standpoint, still, you are the one who's also informing the manager that as things are set up, as you're trying maybe some new tactics or, uh, you know, it's one of those things where the policy is dictated from the top down, but it's implemented from the bottom up.
0: (laughs) Matt, there's situations where the management don't even know what the issues are, though, don't know what's possible. Oh, I understand. And now you yeah. have a practitioner who, if the company or the entity is going to move, right, if they're going to be effective, there has to be a, oftentimes a very persuasive, um, <laughs> you know, call to unify these things. So we yes. can do one landing page. We can request the overlap on the on the banner ads at the same time. And we can come up with a data management process and then submits that to the management along with the, the business case for taking the time to even look at it. So mm-hmm. it's it is while it is a manager's responsibility, I'm finding that a lot of the managers are dealing with internal processes, funding, procurement, hiring, and they don't have time to stay up to date on this stuff. And it's the persuasive right. practitioners who are alerting them to the problem and hopefully doing it with a solution because... What do they say Finding right. the problem yeah. without a solution is just complaining?
1: Well, that gets to another area. I'll add this to the list. It's integration of disciplines. Uh, you know, I one of the things I, I preached at my agency is that you're going to learn a basic set of skills, and then I want you to find what you love, and when you find that, you know, I'll give you the tools to flourish in it. Maybe it's content development. Maybe it's analytics. Maybe it's design. Uh, you know, you're going to grow in those areas. But I don't want you to forget where you came from and forget what you learn, because you're going to do other things. You're just adding to your arsenal of what you can offer. I think this is a valuable skill. Honestly, let's let's say it this way. If you're a one-man shop, you have to have that if you're in a small agency, small business, you're wearing all the hats. You're getting into a larger organization. And I've run into this in training at larger organizations. People get, they're hired for a specific skill. Let's say SEO. And I've run into SEOs before that have said, my job is just to increase rankings and that's it. And You know, I'm kind of like, okay, you're, you're, you're really limiting yourself here because if you don't take it upon yourself to learn how you integrate with all these other disciplines, you could be out of a job very quickly. And I've seen that happen where even training at larger companies, some people will come into the training thinking, I don't need this. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't, it doesn't touch what I do every single day. And as a result, I've seen some of those people not there the next time I go back. Because the company is investing in this training to give you this broader sense of here's how everything works together. And those that embrace it and learn it, they're the ones getting promoted. They're the ones, uh, you know, identified as rising stars. They're the ones that the company sees this is who we want to promote into management because they understand that big picture. The more they understand it, the more valuable they are to the organization.
0: And you're alluding to something that I want to be much more concrete about, which is last 15 years or so watching companies invest in training. There is an uncanny correlation to the people who champion the (laughs) training and the people who get promoted. Yeah. Absolutely. it's it's, You can just kind of, you know how you just kind of start counting down three, two, one promotion and you just see it over and over and over again, because they're the ones who reach out to you. You know, Hey man, I'm Mm -hmm. researching training for my team. I just feel like we need to do this. Well, are you the manager of the team? Nope. I just think we need to do this. And I've, I've asked the manager to do it and they've given me the, okay, that person within one year is the manager,
1: the director, the VP. They see the value. Absolutely. They see the value And I I think they're making a great case that as we get trained in these things, you know, here's the payoff that we can internalize much more. We can manage much more. That's another thing I, I, you know, I wanted to bring up to you as well is just the, uh, I sent you an article about a week or two ago on the increasing trend of companies pulling more work in house and becoming, not that they're ending the relationships with their agencies, but they want the skills in-house to better manage the agency relationship. And so (laughs) there's a big need right there is we need to train people to ask the right questions, to understand these reports, to give feedback. And those people that are cross-training, that are developing those skills, you make yourself a more valuable employee. Uh, And again, it comes back to that business acumen. You're contributing to the overall value and your value to the company.
0: You know, you mentioned earlier too that cross discipline training uh, or cross discipline knowledge is required. Uh, obviously, one of the primary responsibilities of our industry association, OMCP, is to make sure that they poll hiring managers and practitioners as to what are the hireable requirements. And um, I wanted to share, if if you're willing, just some of the initial data that came in from the 2019 oh yeah role delineation study. I have preliminary data. It's like a playground, Matt. Going in and going, you know, cross segmentation of the data, and oh, this is interesting, and oh, that's boring. That's not interesting. But um, it was. I wanted to just read the top. So there's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, I don't know, maybe nine or ten disciplines that were on that made it onto the survey. And, mm-hmm. um, and in order, what we asked is uh, hiring managers, um, what disciplines are practices, what practices are performed by a team you manage or by yourself if you're an individual practitioner? Surprisingly little difference uh, between them, um, but number one, number one on practices performed with 4,000 respondents here, digital analytics uh, is by far the most Popular um, practice. Uh, yep. SEO is number two. Uh, and then digital marketing strategy came in as a new candidate. Before we kind of tried to get in each mm. of the disciplines, but this time we decided to put it on its own. And sure enough, that came in at number three. Uh, yep. Digital yep. advertising, including paid search, uh, number four. Content marketing is next, social media marketing, then conversion rate optimization, uh, email marketing uh, without automation. Came in at uh, 6%. Marketing automation next. E commerce, uh, 5%. UX, UI development made it on the list this time. I think that we may start putting conversion within that group. And uh, yeah. last one yeah. was mobile marketing as a standalone. We're starting to see that sort of just be required in the other disciplines. Now, that yes. is asking folks which practices you perform. When it comes to the hours, it was a slightly different skew with SEO edging out, digital analytics, digital advertising, just ever so slightly. Um, So, But the things that I'm naming, SEO, digital analytics, digital advertising, content marketing, um, social media marketing, conversion rate optimization, UX, UI, all critical uh, to at least have what we call a um, conceptual understanding and the ability to articulate what needs to be done in each of those as a minimum for somebody in the marketing career. Uh, Right. OMCP requires five of the eight, right? Five of the eight that I just listed as a conceptual, you have to pass the exam, understanding five of those. And this is what hiring managers tell us they need. Uh, Mm -hmm. For the professional, which is somebody who is implementing and practicing you know, rolls up their sleeves, the name of the practice is part of their, we like to say it's part of their title, right? It's on their shingle, whether it's a consultant <laughs> yeah. or an in-house SEO or an in-house analytics specialist or consultant. These are um, two minimum hiring managers said for somebody to come into practice, we do not want somebody who just knows paid search. They must also know one of the other disciplines. So paid and digital analytics or paid search and conversion rate paid search and social yep. media and combine. So they need that baseline and those two. And then <clears throat> if I'm not going on too long, I wanted to share with you the education requirements that they came back with. Um and this is where I was surprised that there wasn't a whole lot of um a whole lot of variation between hiring managers. The hiring managers said that the experience required for what we would call an associate or somebody who is a general marketing uh, practitioner, um, is uh, 47% said that they want two years of experience and 26% said they want five years of experience. And then okay. 10 yeah. years plus was only 3% of the hiring managers said that they were looking for 10 years plus. Wow. Yeah, thought that was really interesting. Wow. Uh, and then, uh, you know, and there was slightly different skews on this, depending on how you segment it. And then college education. Uh, and then I'll, then I'll stop here. But college education, we're really <laughs> interested to see what education was required for, and we call them associate. Associate doesn't mean that they're a beginner. Associate just means that they understand the concepts across all these and, and probably aren't putting JavaScript on pages or setting up management right. <laughs> inside of the um, the ad systems, but they're managing that process. Um. So there was no surprise there that uh, for the associate level, uh, 60% said a four-year college degree is required. Where we Mm -hmm. saw a difference, that was across the board, everybody, practitioners and uh, managers. The managers came back and they dropped that percentage. Only 54% said a four-year degree. And 28% of managers said, we'll hire somebody with a high school diploma. Yep. As long as they have these other criteria. We aren't looking for the college degree. We're looking for somebody who no. is going to get it done. And I thought that was really yep. interesting.
1: Thoughts? And that's, uh, okay, so this industry is less than 20 years mm-hmm. old. I would say before 20 years, it was a hobby. <laughs> so, <laughs> True. <you> know, <laughs> Early adopters. It, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's 20 years old. The education system has simply not caught mm-hmm. up and preparing people for digital marketing. I I mean, the vast majority of my training is internal staff who have been hired to do this, but they have not learned to do it. It's just amazing. They may have gone through a marketing program or have a marketing degree, but to set up a paid search campaign, they've never done it, never seen it, have no experience with it. It's true. And, you know, or, you know, it comes back to, like, my best story of a guy I hired for your degree in, uh, you know, I I think it was website design and marketing. Mm -hmm. And two weeks after working for me, he comes in and says, I feel like my degree has been a waste. And I'm like, whoa, wait, you know, don't, I'm like, what's the matter? He says, they never taught us how to make money. He says, and that's all you talk about here is what are we doing for our clients how does it make them money what's it driving to he says all i learned was you know how to write a web page but yet the web page i was taught to build in school had nothing to do with a call to action it had nothing to do with the purpose of the site and that's where i think the the education system is attempting to get better but you know, we we are bringing in new hires into organizations that simply aren't prepared to be a practitioner. And so now it's on the organization to do the training. I, and and now, yeah, especially, you know, from a, a management standpoint, um, I'm looking at experience. I'm looking at what have you done uh, even before when I had the agency, I, I used to call that your basement experience. You know, what are you building on your own? What do you, what's your passion? What are you doing? It doesn't surprise me because I think especially in online marketing and digital marketing in these areas, no one's teaching it, you know, in a structured, you know, there are some classes, courses, things you can take, but the people that know it are either doing it or they have taken it upon themselves to get trained in it and become familiar with it to make themselves employable. And so then if I'm looking at management, I want people who understand how it works and how to train and how to work within a company to do that. Uh, so no, that doesn't surprise me at all. I, in fact, I, I think honestly in this area, uh, I think degrees will become less important over the next 10 years and, and maybe further, especially in this area, because it, it's so dynamic that textbooks can't keep up. And as long as a textbook is the primary means of instruction, those who are going, you know, those that are going to a four-year degree in university to do something in marketing, unfortunately may be behind. Yeah. And that's that's a that's a scary thought. Yeah. You could be putting yourself further behind someone who gets in and starts practicing who start setting up maybe their own business uh, because now they're coming in with two, three, four years of experience uh, and they can talk the talk. They know what it does. Uh, at the same time, and, and I am going to kind of even back up a little bit further what you talked about, where there are these core set of uh, skills that are absolutely necessary you know, as opposed to I'm going to focus on one skill and specialize in this. Mm-hmm. You're cheating yourself because they all inform each other. And that's what I love about this business, about this industry, is that you need SEO because the skills in SEO uh, will spill over to paid search. They will spill over to content development. They'll spill over to uh, you know, social, you know, they, they affect so many other areas. Same thing in conversion. It's needed everywhere. You you need to have, you need to approach all these areas with conversion, Uh, there. and, And that's what overwhelmed me when I was going through all of the individual disciplines. One of the thoughts that occurred to me is, is like, I'd love to see what's the skill base set that would apply to 75 to 80% of every individual uh, skill within OMCP. I'd love to identify that, that base set that if you've got this, you're 60% of the way in every individual area. What's an example of one of those? Keyword research. Because keyword research shows up in the exam. It shows up in the competencies. For SEO, for paid search, for content, for analytics. Uh, Analytics comes up in every one of them. Yes, The ability to set uh, measurements and apply those to the campaign and derive then success, failure, adjustments. So that analytics piece is a part of every individual discipline uh so that's that was what was occurring to me as i was going through each one of those is there is that base level and the more you broaden the more it informs every discipline yes. and it makes you stronger in in the one you're working in now but also uh it just when you see how it all works together it's like that uh, you know the sun parting you know the clouds parting the sun coming and beaming <laughs> down and the angels singing <laughs> Because now it's it's like you're, you're in the matrix and you're seeing all the numbers and how they work together. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's just you're, you're, you know, you're Neo in the matrix able to control so many things because you have that, that cross discipline approach of how everything is rooted together. Everything has that, you know, that same base. And, and when you operate from that, Man, it makes you a powerful, powerful asset. You
0: have to. And and I'm hearing this from yeah. every hiring manager. You have to. Uh, it, it more than spills over. It absolutely requires it. Uh, I mean, how could you do SEO now without getting involved in the content strategy? You can't. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you just no. can't. And so go study Lee Auden. right? Great content marketing mm-hmm. information there. And learn the practices of, of deconstruction and and sourcing the material. It's brilliant stuff. And you at least need to understand how it's done because typically what you're going in, a lot of organizations, you're going to run into terrible content, right? They're just putting content out for content's sake. Well, and then they wonder, what's the SEO going to do to make (laughs) us rank? (laughs) The answer Mm -hmm. is I'm going to teach you how to write better content, (laughs) right? Nothing to do with traditional SEO work, right? (laughs) All of a sudden you're telling them how to pull the stakeholders and the, the audience, and answer the question. What question does my content answer? And, and the, 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 they're looking at you as the SEO going, why are you teaching us what the content strategist should be teaching? And always mm-hmm. couch it diplomatically saying, oh, well, I'm not. I'm just teaching the SEO aspects of it.
1: <laughs> well, and it's very interesting because over the years, um, you know, I'll go back to the very beginning. SEOs were in two camps, writers and programmers. And I remember a a well-known at that time, (laughs) well-known at that time SEO, really denigrating the writers. That, you know, what you people do, you know, all you're doing is just putting a keyword in a sentence that the real work is done in the programming. And, you know, now fast forward 20 years and I have next to no requests for seo programming you know because in most organizations the people in charge of content of seo of any of that have nothing to do with the programming they don't touch it they don't see it they don't deal with it uh and seo now has had to evolve into content writing you you've had to evolve uh i've (laughs) i i have uh So an intimate knowledge of a couple of uh, agencies that uh, compete. And one of the things that they tell me that absolutely drives them bonkers is they're developing the content. They're creating the, the strategy for the company. But then there's also an SEO company involved. And they get the content and they change it. And they put keywords in and it makes it clunky. And, and so, you know, now you have these strategists that are coming at this content development and now there's an SEO that all they're trying to do is plug keywords in. And, oh my goodness, does it lead to just almost absolute wars between companies? And then, you know, somebody's in the middle saying, can, can we just get this done? Uh, you know it's that's the difficult part of where we are and where things are progressing and moving towards and I, i'm watch out for companies just getting passed up uh because they are approaching things in that very narrow tunnel vision type of approach that i just need those right keywords back to the very thing you started with <laughs> yeah here's our strategy what are
0: the keywords one of the things that I've encouraged the SEOs that I've worked with to say as soon as that happens is write what you need to write to reach your audience. Forget keywords. Forget mm-hmm. it. Write yeah. something that is so. And it's questions I like to ask is what question does my content answer better than anything else on the web? Yeah. And if you can get the writer to answer that, and boy, it's like pulling teeth. They're like, oh well. I- Get Uh this out there on the page, and it's like, okay, well, then it will probably be ignored because it's just, you know, what I, you know, my my thing about platitudes, right? A platitude is a phrase (laughs) that you can take and put on any other competitor's website, and it means get that off your page because it's noise. In today's expanding enterprise, technology (laughs) needs to be flexible and scalable. It's like I, you know, in fact, you could take that and put it on a web services page or a um cloud page or security page or whatever you want it's going to mean the same thing, so get rid of it you know one of the interesting things when I asked um a fairly senior hiring manager in one of the world's larger consumer marketing groups um what she was looking for and I think the the first thing because I said 21st century she goes, okay, you know something that John Marshall and I and you always used to say, look, you can't predict what's going to happen five years out. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: it, it, in, in some ways this group never dreamed what Facebook would do for their organization, right. you know, five, six years ago. And yet now it's, it's key. And what's going to be key in, you know, five years from now, a lot of people refer to, it, she, said, she said, a lot of the millennials don't have any idea what MySpace was, but it, that was a big deal. For, right. 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 Um, but I wanted to reflect cause she took the time to share a few things. I'm just going to parrot those out. I think mm-hmm. they're useful. Um, Besides digital marketing, see, now that's kind of like the given, um, besides digital marketing, uh, she's looking for people who are, know how to stay up on the consumer trends and know where the consumer is, what they need to hear. Okay. Again, this ties into working with the content teams. What questions are your target audience asking? What phrases do they use to describe what's familiar disturbing what they want to achieve or avoid? And how can we work those phrases into what we do with genuine answers right, that are better than anything mm. else on the web? Um, so behavior trends, where the customer is going to be. That's what she's working for. Yep. And then several times she pointed out, and I, I'm sharing the things that resonated with other managers, so it just isn't one person's opinion. I'm hearing this over and over again. Yeah. agile. I'm hearing the same thing. Agile yeah. learners. Keep up your skill yep. set. They want to see signs of that. Are you keeping up your skill set? Do you have a history of keeping up your skill set? Are you able to learn and adapt quickly to whatever the next thing is? You know, and of course, what I love to hear from this particular manager was she's specifically looking for OMCA and OMCP certified, but she added something that I, it ties in with what you said just a moment ago. Those are industry certifications. They show that you have general practice knowledge. But then there's right. platform certifications, which I think are very important.
1: Um, a lot of confuse
0: okay. them, and that's a mistake. But hey, I know how to use Adobe Analytics. I got trained. Okay. I know how right. to use Google Ads platform. I got trained. Okay. That those are Hubspot. I mean, all these, yeah, okay, they're lead gen for the company, right? <laughs> you know, they can fit their <laughs> in there. it doesn't mean that they lack value. They have value. A lot of people who get the industry certification versus the platform certification kind of wait for me as an OMCP representative to denigrate it. And I absolutely do not. In fact, OMCP gives renewal professional development units credit for platform certifications. (laughs) We're that excited about them. So I think that's another point that I wanted to echo. Um, Two other things, and I wish I could give her credit, but I have to be careful for confidentiality. Um, Looking for, let me see if I get this right from my notes. Um, someone with a, a bachelor's in marketing and a master in, and I typoed this, but it, I, I, it was something like an info, information systems, right?
1: other mm-hmm. uh,
0: words, basically process. So the marketing and process, or, and this one was really fun, a computer science degree and this person plays music or performs somehow.
1: Uh, you know, I will say, some of the best analysts and programmers that I've ever worked with are musicians on the side. Absolutely. That was something that was so consistent
0: and uh, yeah. And and it dance, uh, some type of performance, a flair for the creative side. They know how to perform. They know how to hold an audience's interest. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking back to a lot of the people who moved up through the WPP and Omnicom agencies that we worked with in the past. And I'm, thinking that a lot of the people who moved up were musicians. They were ballet dancers, performers, some of them were street performers. They went out and they loved holding an audience and they're the people who moved up. Yes. It, it,
1: it there was a book a number of years ago that came out. said the right brain, right brains will rule. the world. <laughs> yep. And I, I'm, you know, I, sorry to say left brainers. Um, <laughs> it's, it is a look at me society. Um, and especially in terms of job prospects and job performance, that those who can captivate will get the attention. Um, because again, it's not just captivating in words. It's understanding how how people think and how to approach them, how to present to them. It comes back to what you talked about earlier, is that they had ability to present information in a way that persuades and... Inter- I, I got to the point, you know, I realized I'm not just a trainer. I am an entertainer. Um, I provide infotainment because I can give all the information you want, but you will be bored. I can keep your attention longer if I entertain at the same time. And that has become an absolutely essential skill, especially when doing a full day or two full days of training. you know, how do you keep people's attention for that? And uh, it's come down to that. That is such a valuable skill. And it's one that I can't sit back on and just rely on it. It's one I have to constantly tend to and improve. And, you know, how I do my training now is so different than what I used to do five, six more years ago uh, because of that.
0: To make sure that we don't leave out our analytic or linear thought folks there is high value for uh, folks who can think in that manner and may not need to develop that presentation skill there there are specialist roles abound uh, for this Mm -hmm. but be aware that as a marketer or as a data scientist you'll probably be able to do your craft without worrying about the persuasion parts (laughs) Um, and and may not be um, you know as exposed or as as put up on the uh, presentation podium as others, which some people prefer. And uh, I actually applaud folks who yep. who are in that realm.
1: Well, it's funny you should say that because in the next uh, in in my podcast plan uh, a few weeks ago I had uh, Stuart Bewley, who he specializes in storytelling. But more than that, he teaches how he teaches people how to present with confidence. And he specializes in working with startups who are pitching for investment. Now the vast majority of people are left brainers. They're tech guys. Uh, And when you see his process and what he does with them, he transforms them into being captivating telling a story succinctly and getting their point across. And uh, he's going to be on in uh, probably the next month or two to kind of walk through his process and and talk about how he specializes in working with those left brainers and showing them that you can do this. It's it's uh, as we joked about, you know, when people's biggest fears uh, one of the top ones is public speaking, mm-hmm. and it tends to rank higher than being buried alive or snakes, So, it's, <laughs> which amazes me being a natural at it, but understanding also there are people that have a mortal fear of being in front of people. Right. Well,
0: so here's to developing your skills of not being buried alive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> snakes, I can go either way on that, but public speaking, if you're passionate, something yeah. to share. I highly recommend you give it a try Matt. So I'll do my little wrap up for the um for the OMCP podcast and then stay on if there's anything the more that you want to cover. Is that okay if I just give that little spiel right now? That go okay. ahead. Okay. And so that is the time we have today for the OMCP podcast. A <laughs> big thank you to Matt Bailey uh who will be putting this up on Endless Coffee Cup, which is the uh, his podcast series. Uh, you can find that on sitelogic.com. Be sure to pick up Matt's books. Digital marketing an hour a day and wired to be wowed on Amazon.com. And then also, we have Teach New Dogs Old Tricks on Sitelogic.com. And you can always reach out to Matt to have him visit your team for training and best practices in digital marketing at the same site, Sitelogic.com. Matt, thanks so much
1: for being part of the podcast today. Thank you, Mike. Always a pleasure. Always fun.
0: I'm your host, Michael Stebbins, and you've been listening to the OMCP Online Marketing Best Practices Podcast. OMCP maintains the certification standards for the online marketing industry in cooperation with industry leaders just like MAP. Join us inside of OMCP to maintain your certification, get special offers, and hang out with other certified professionals, universities, and training programs that value the OMCP standards. You'll network with other certified professionals or trainers while helping OMCP maintain an excellent standard. Membership is only $40 each year, so we'll see you inside of OMCP as a certified professional, well, we'll be learning and improving our professional careers and teams together.